0: So if you have your Bibles, please meet me in Matthew 28. We'll be reading the rest of the chapter. The text reads like this. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted.
1: Father, give us a sight now of our risen Savior, that we might crown him Lord of all, and we ask it in his name, amen. The, uh, the great physicist, Dr. Albert Einstein, was once on a train traveling from Princeton University, The conductor came to Einstein and asked for his ticket, but he couldn't find it anywhere. He looked inside his vest, his pockets, his briefcase, and it was nowhere to to be found. Eventually, the the conductor said to him, Dr. Einstein, I I know who you are. (laughs) We all know who you are. I'm sure you bought a ticket. It's okay. And he moved on. He was about to enter the next carriage when he looked around and saw Einstein on his hands and knees looking for his ticket. So he came back and he said, Einstein, it, it's okay. I know who you are. No need to worry. And Einstein looked at him and said, young man, I know who I am too. What I don't know is where I'm going. <laughs> Have you ever felt lost? ever felt like you don't know where you're going? We parachute into the last chapter of Matthew's gospel today, and we meet there two women who felt lost. They'd entrusted their lives to Jesus of Nazareth, but now Jesus was dead. They had watched him die, and they'd seen Joseph of Arimathea places dead body in his own tomb, and so their hope had died with him. But the point of our passage today is Jesus is risen. And since Jesus rose from the dead, their hope and their lives were resurrected too. No more doubt, no more fog. Only the sunshine of hope in Jesus. And that's why Easter Sunday is the most glorious day on the calendar. Because Jesus' resurrection gives us far more than direction in life. But life in him. Hope in Christ himself. And I know some of you are perhaps thinking this morning, Hugh, that all sounds very nice. But me and my family are facing a situation that's frankly impossible today. But to you, I want to ask, is it more impossible than a dead man standing up? If it's not, then there is hope for you. And it's not necessarily the the hope that will get you around hardship. It's the hope that will get you through hardship because a living Savior walks with you all the way. Remember, Paul prayed for the church in Rome like this. He said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And that's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for us today that whoever you are, wherever you are in life, God would fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that the, by the power of the holy spirit you may abound in hope that's what we need isn't it today and we know where to get it in jesus himself so whether you're here today and you're you're interested whether you're not quite sure whether you're here because you've been dragged kicking and screaming there is hope for you because jesus christ is alive and today we're going to see jesus resurrection is good news for his followers. Look with me first at verses 1 to 10 again. Jesus' resurrection is good news for his followers. In verse 1 of Matthew chapter 28, we read these words. Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone. To Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, no listening person in this room needs me to understand why these women were afraid. Uh, The ground had shaken beneath their feet. An angel descended from heaven who looked like a, a thousand lightning bolts. And because of his appearance, the Hardened soldiers lost all bodily movement. And, and if that weren't enough, the body of the one whom they'd come to anoint with spices approached them and spoke to them. And so we get why they would need to hear, do not be afraid, twice. But why their great joy in verse 8? Because if Jesus did what he said he was going to do, Then Jesus is who he said he was. You see, if Jesus predicted his death and resurrection but only got his death right, then Jesus was good at guessing at best, a fraud at worst. But if Jesus predicted both his death and resurrection, And he died and rose as he said he would, then Jesus is who he said that he was. And today that means that Jesus can feed hungry souls because he said, I am the bread of life. It means that Jesus can open the eyes of blind eyes. The eyes of the soul because he said, I am the light of the world. It means that Jesus can lead His people all the way to heaven because Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. It means that Jesus can raise the spiritually dead because He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And Jesus can liberate those who have been lied to because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It means that Jesus can revive the wilting soul Because Jesus said, I am the true vine, abide in me. Jesus' resurrection is good news for his followers because it means Jesus is everything he said he was. Fear, yes, but great joy as well. Now, perhaps you're here today and you're an ardent unbeliever. You're here because you have to be, not because you want to be. But as you've been... Hearing, thinking people singing about the resurrection as you've heard words of the Bible describe the resurrection. Perhaps all of a sudden the resurrection doesn't feel quite as insane as it used to walking in to this place. And you ask, what's the next next step for me? The next step for you is to take the angel up on his offer to investigate this for yourself. Did you notice how in the passage, the angel didn't stand in front of the tomb and say, Jesus is risen, take my word for it. No, the angel sat on top of the stone and he said, Jesus is risen, see for yourself. Enter the tomb all you want to. And if you investigate the resurrection of Jesus Christ and follow the evidence where it leads you, then you too will come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ rose on Easter Sunday all those years ago. You know, there was a, a man who did that for himself. He was a, uh, one of the investigative journalists for the Chicago Tribune. He was a man called Lee Strobel. And Lee Strobel was awarded first place for his public service by the state of Illinois because of the excellence of his work. His, his wife, however, sort of did his head in a little bit. Uh, she was a Christian. He was an atheist. And so to prove to her that her faith was built on a lie, on a hoax, he used all of his investigative skill and conducted an investigation for himself. And here's what happened to Lee Strobel. He got converted and here's a quote, I want to read a quote to you from a New Testament scholar who does not believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Doesn't believe that Jesus rose on Easter Sunday. This is what he writes. He says, I do not regard deliberate fraud as a worthwhile explanation of the resurrection accounts. Many of the people in these lists were to spend the rest of their lives proclaiming that they had seen the risen Lord and several of them would die For their cause. That Jesus followers had resurrection experiences is in my judgment a fact. What the reality was that gave rise to the experiences I do not know. Well I do know. Jesus rose from the dead. And for those of us who believe that. We would do well to imitate these women falling before him in wonder, love, and praise, grasping his feet with the hands of faith and crowning him Lord of all, worshiping him, prizing him as Lord, Savior, Master, King, and Friend. Because Jesus' resurrection is good news for his followers. Second, though, Jesus' resurrection is bad news for his enemies. Look with me at verse 11. It says, While they, the women, were going, behold, some of the guard, whom you remember were guarding the tomb, went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep and if this comes to the governor's ears we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble so they took the money and did as they were directed and this story has been spread among the jews to this day now when we consider the lunacy of this plan we're we're forced to ask why would they invent it at all Why would these thinking people invent such an idiotic conspiracy? Consider the idiocy with me for a moment. The guard and the chief priests hoped that people would believe that Jesus' disciples were able to sneak past them, move the enormous stone, steal a body, and make a run for it all without them noticing. Uh, The soldiers would have taken turns throughout the night to make sure that things like this didn't happen. And back then, soldiers were executed for losing a prisoner or in this case, a body on their watch. So they were guarding the tomb literally with their lives. Uh, Not only that, but if they were asleep, how would they have known that it was Jesus' disciples who had stolen the body in the first place? So given the laughable cover-up attempt, why the laughable plan in the first place? Well, not because of doubt, and not because of evidence, but because of deliberate refusal to believe. In Matthew chapter 16, the Pharisees asked Jesus for a sign. Jesus, show us a miracle, and we'll believe in you. And Jesus said, in effect, the only miracle, the only sign you're going to see is my resurrection from the dead. And here it was. Jesus' resurrection from the dead and their response was conspiracy. Jesus' resurrection is bad news for his enemies. The question is, why? Because if Jesus is Lord, then we can't be. If Jesus is Lord, you can't be and I can't be. If Jesus is Lord, this universe ain't big enough for the both of us. Only one Lord will fit. And friend, if you're here today and you're you're not yet a Christian, this is where I do need to very lovingly kind of get in your face a little bit. Because what I need to say to you at this point is, this is the reason. You're not a follower of Jesus. Nothing to do with evidence. It's because you don't want to be a follower of Jesus. You want to be in control of your life. But you know, friend, there's a a better option. Crowning Jesus Lord of all because he's a better Lord than we could ever be. He's a better Lord than I could ever be. He's a better Lord than we could be if you put all of our wisdom together. He's the Lord that cleanses from all sin. The Lord who ransoms, heals, restores, forgives. The Lord who will never leave you nor forsake you. He's the Lord who will even work all things out together for good in your life. And what could be better than enthroning him on the throne of your heart? You know, one of the preachers that I love to to listen to was raised in the home of an evangelist and his dad's preaching made such an impact on him growing up. And this is what he wrote. He said, oh, how he, my dad, would plead. Children, teenagers, young singles, young married people, the middle-aged, old people, he would press the warnings and the wooings of Christ into the heart of each person. He had stories, stories, So many stories for each age group, stories of glorious conversions and stories of horrific refusals to believe followed by tragic deaths. Seldom could those stories come without tears. For me as a boy, one of the most gripping illustrations my fiery father used was the story of a man converted in old age. The church had prayed for this man for decades. He was hard and resistant, but this time... For some reason, he showed up when my father was preaching. At the end of the service, during a hymn, to everyone's amazement, he came and took my father's hand. They sat down together on the front pew of the church as the people were dismissed. God opened his heart to the gospel of Christ. And he was saved from his sins and given eternal life. But that did not stop him from sobbing and saying, as the tears ran down his wrinkled face and what an impact it made on me to hear my father say this through his own tears. I've wasted it. I've wasted it. And My dear friend, if you will reject the Lord of life, then you too will waste your life. And you will either come to regret that in old age Or through the eternal ages of hell. Friends there is a far better alternative. Crowning him. Lord of all. He died for our sins. Rose on the third day. He deserves. Our enthroning. On the thrones of our heart. If you will confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Jesus' resurrection is good news for his followers. It's bad news for his enemies. And thirdly and lastly, Jesus' resurrection means he's Lord of all. Look at verse 16. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We might stumble over those words in verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And we might want to ask, the Lord, hasn't all authority always been yours? You, you made heaven and earth. And it's true that all authority in heaven and earth has always belonged to Jesus. The point is, in his incarnation, that power was veiled in human frailty. But in his resurrection, he was declared the son of God in power. No more to die. And what we see here is that as Lord, Jesus calls the shots and sets the agenda for his church. Jesus gives us his, his marching orders. All authority is his. All nations must come to him. All nations must obey him. And literally in the Greek. He is with us all the days. Until the end of the age. All authority. All nations. All teaching. All the days. His mission is his nations, his teaching, his presence. And so with that, I want to close with one challenge for us and two encouragements for us as well. The challenge is this, to follow Jesus, you have to fish for Jesus. Or to borrow someone else's phrase, if you're not fishing, you're not following. If your employer employed you, to teach English language, but you showed up to work one day and just started teaching chemistry instead, you'd be breaking the terms of your employment. If you play for a football team and one day you just decide to pick up the ball and start running with it, then the referee is going to have something to say. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do as I say? And so if we claim to follow Jesus as Lord, we have to obey his command to make disciples. We can't say to ourselves, Jesus is my Lord, but I'm going to spend all day every day arguing with atheists on Facebook. We can't say... I follow Jesus as Lord, but I'm just going to settle for stocking my brain for the theological data and just leave it as that as the whole world goes to hell. No, no, no. Jesus is the Lord of the church. He gets to decide her mission. And he orders us to tell people in the most loving and winsome way all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Some will ignore you. Others will hate you. Some will oppose you. Others will believe. If we claim to follow Jesus, we have to fish for Jesus as well. But my first encouragement for us today is this. Jesus commissions doubting disciples. Jesus commissions doubting disciples. When we read in verse 17, and when they, the disciples, saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. The word for doubt there isn't the doubt of a settled unbelief. It's the doubt of hesitancy. It's a doubt that says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. The only, only other place it appears in the New Testament is Matthew chapter 14. Beginning in verse 26, it says, When the disciples saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus, immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to you, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? There it is. Why did you hesitate? And so maybe in Matthew 28, the disciples were hesitating because they saw Jesus. But then alongside Jesus, they saw the waves and the winds of their failure and cowardice and sin Only a few days before. And those waves made them wonder. How could this Jesus want anything to do with us now? We've blown it. We've failed him. And yet despite their sin, cowardice and failure. Jesus commissioned them anyway. And he did through them. Far more abundantly. Than all they could ever think, dream, wish. Or imagine as they walked on the waves of their failure with Jesus by their side. And doubting, trembling, failing disciple, can I assure you today that though you doubt, Jesus can do far more abundantly through you than all you ever think, dream, wish, hope or imagine. Because Jesus is willing to commission doubting disciples. But my second encouragement for us today is this. Since Jesus is with us. We cannot fail. With with Jesus with us we cannot fail. Matthew's gospel opens by calling Jesus Emmanuel. God with us. And it closes here in Matthew 28. With Jesus saying, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so with our golden Prince Emmanuel by our side, who can be against us? He will always lead us in triumphal procession. And if he is with us, we are more than conquerors in and through him. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all nations and then the end will come. And when the end comes, all the men and women and the boys and girls who have believed in him will surround his throne and offer to him glory and honor, wisdom and thanks, power and honor and praise. And so let me ask you, are you coming with us? to that great and glorious day Jesus resurrection is good news for his followers bad news for his enemies and it means that he's lord of all let's worship him today amen Amen. as we stand to our feet and crown him lord of all let's stand and worship him together